Hey, Ryan. How's it going, man? Hey. How you doing, bud? Good thing. Hey, Ryan. Man, this is going to get confusing. We got Ryan, Ryan, and Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everyone. If all goes as planned, this is going to be the last episode featuring our old logo. So look for the new logo that will be coming out real soon on all the favorite social media channels, Facebook, website, everywhere. So look forward to that. Tomorrow, if you're bored... I am going to be doing a live review of Old Carter. This is a bottle that has been recently released. We talk about it towards the end of this podcast. I really hope I don't like it because it's a hundred and it was like $170. It was it's an NDP from NGP, non-age stated. It's got pretty much all the reasons why you shouldn't buy a bottle on it, but I bought it to be able to hope hopefully prove a point. And so you can look towards the live review that'll happen tomorrow on Facebook. So get ready for that. We finally have our barrel in from the community roundtable. We got a lot of bottles. We've got the entire barrel. My basement is stocked full of them, but now it's time just for putting on our awesome stickers as well as to begin shipping them out. We're also be doing Bourbon Pursuit etched Glen Cairns with a new logo on it. So you can always add that to your order. So if you received an email saying that from, a, from Patreon saying that you can now go ahead and purchase your bottle. Please get me your money. Thank you so much for everybody that already has. Uh, but now that we've already paid for the barrel, let's go ahead and let's get it in your hands and uh, start drinking, right? This episode touches on the recent release of Neat the Bourbon Movie, the less than stellar, incredibly overaged bourbon that has made its way out. We discuss practices by Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board setting their lottery prices at secondary prices and our thoughts on the new old Fitzgerald release. And we wonder if NDPs that source from MGP being over $100 is is becoming the new norm. As well, I kind of go on a little bit of a rant. With that, enjoy this week's episode and make sure you also support the podcast on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Bourbon Pursuit. That's how you get access to these private barrels that we're going to begin doing. We also have a lot of cool new items that are going to be coming through, such as bottle tote bags and even patches. So a lot of cool stuff that's coming through. Make sure you're helping us on Patreon. Make sure you're following us on all those great social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Bourbon Pursuit. Again, enjoy this week's episode. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. 
And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast, the official podcast of bourbon. Tonight, we have the 18th edition of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. It's always a crowd favorite. And tonight, we've got a great lineup of questions that we have uh lined up for everybody. This is something that has been uh, hot topics with inside of the bourbon world of the past few weeks. So I'm glad that we're going to have our variable pick of people here to talk about it. Uh, so Ryan, how's it going, man? We haven't had a recording here in a few weeks. So how you been? I know I got to like get back in the groove. Uh, I'm excited for this when we got the Ryan Bryan episode. A lot of, you know, <laughs> a lot of tongue twisters. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, let's go ahead and we'll introduce uh, a, a new uh, addition to the community roundtable. So Carrie is not going to be able to join us tonight. And this is what happens is that if somebody is not able to make it, we find some new blood to bring to it. So tonight we have Ryan Lint. So Ryan, welcome, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. Pull me out of the bullpen. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So kind of give everybody an idea of uh, where you blog at and topics you touch on and all that sort of good stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, I run a website called uh, thebourbonbuddy.com, mostly reviews, but also do some chat, uh, you know, some bourbon banter, talks, et cetera. Uh, posted recently about OKI and their, you know, well, new riff and OKI and that going away and, and talking about how the transition is going to go to a 12 year stuff that you've talked about in Bourbon Pursuit. So I'm also on Instagram and at uh, bourbon, uh, at bourbonbuddy underscore, or Bourbon underscore buddy, sorry. And then at uh, Twitter, at uh, bourbon underscore buddy one. I don't know who that bourbon uh, underscore buddy is. That one, that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to buy him out at some point. Yeah, I know, right? And then uh, lastly, I'm also a member of the Cleveland Bourbon Club. And what's actually pretty cool is we're a group of 20 members and we do blind tastings every month. And uh, we just recently launched a website where we gave our results of these blind tastings. So um, it's pretty cool. I don't think anyone else or any other groups are doing something like that, where you're getting a group of 20 people and doing blinds and collecting the results and posting them online. So, yeah, I would recommend checking it out. It's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. And as everybody, or as you kind of mentioned that it was, it was Ryan here that gave us the tip on everything of OKI that we had talked about, I believe, on the last roundtable. So that's us ironically uh, when we started this burn pursuit i did get bourbon buddy um 
wanted on it. So, uh, we can talk after the show, you know. Yeah, all right. I got some, I maybe have some back you might want. Great. <laughs> Good deal. So uh, we'll start uh, with Brian then next. So Brian, let's hear it, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. Excited to do it again. And uh, so for those who, who don't, haven't uh, seen this, I'm Sipping Corn. You can find me most, mostly on Twitter at Sipping Corn and, uh, the Google blog spot of Sipping Corn where you get some reviews and legal history. And I have to say, stay tuned in November for Bourbon Justice, the uh, high, hotly anticipated uh, new bourbon book. I, we should probably figure out a way to like insert like uh, one That's of those. That's not written by Fred. <laughs> not written by Fred. Yeah, yeah we, we need to uh, figure out a way to insert like one of those like law and order, like boom, like right ba-boom. after you get, every time you get done talking. <laughs> We'll figure like out a way. <laughs> we'll do it in post. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, Blake, you're up, buddy. <laughs> and Blake, on me, Riber of Bourbon R. Reaper. Yeah. <laughs> can you hear me? Yes, we sure can. Okay. I, I, it was kind of fuzzy for a second. Just trying to make you work in the editing room. Uh, I am Blake from bourboner.com. You can find me at bourboner.com backslash blog, all the major uh, social media sites, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube as well. Um, yeah. Check me out. Awesome. And Nick, round it out. And I am Nick, one of the three guys behind Breaking Bourbon. You can find us online at BreakingBourbon.com and uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well at Breaking Bourbon. So glad to be here again, guys. Awesome. So our first, we got a we got a lot of topics to hit on. I kind of want to touch on something too because it was of recent news. You know, honestly, it's it's kind of funny that of of all times, it's right now in like February and March that we actually have news to talk about, which is really odd. It's usually coming around the uh, the fall and the springtime, but there's actually been a lot of things that have been happening recently. Uh, the first one was the release of the new film called Neat. It was really focused on the bourbon uh, expert, I should say, the, the, the people that are out there that are really heavy into bourbon and want to know more from some of the voices behind it really focused a lot on Marianne Barnes and Freddie Johnson of Buffalo Trace. They had some, some pretty, pretty big spotlights and cameos in there. I kind of want to get everybody's thoughts on, on the movie. Um, you know, I'll kind of go first. Uh, I, I liked it. It was a, a really cool way to picture you know, how people are getting into bourbon uh, at sometimes, like when I just think of the production value, the production value is really good. The editing I thought was a little weird. It was kind of like one of those like three minute montages that lasted for 70 minutes because there was a lot of, there's a lot of cutaways, a lot of pours, a lot of panning the Rick houses that was just like, okay, like, you know, you got to keep it interesting. I get that, but there's a lot of overdub music. And uh, like I said, it, it felt like, cuts. yeah, it felt like a, like a three minute montage that lasted 70 minutes, but it was still really cool. Uh, a lot of great information that came from it too. So uh, anybody else want to chime in on that? Uh, I can go next. Uh, <clears throat> like you said, the production value was outstanding. I mean, it's, was very well shot. The footage was awesome. Um, it was a little bit too, I guess, uh, elementary for me. I was looking for something more, uh, I guess it like urban geeks appeal to us more. It was kind of more, it seemed like geared towards people that know absolutely nothing about bourbon. And so it was kind of like going on a bourbon tour for like the 30th time for me, but it was very good production value. Um, and, 
I, I think it's good for people just getting into bourbon. But for me, I was kind of uh, looking for more, I guess. Yeah, I, I do. Ha- I did put this in my post. I had one. Um, if you uh, actually has the Wade Woodard post run or the bourbon pursuit episode run yet where he gets questions. No, not yet. Okay. Well, thanks for, thanks for paying attention to our release calendar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a release calendar. But anyway, so I will make one note, which you'll probably touch on in that episode as well as, you know, bourbon doesn't have to be made out of new American white oak, which is common misconception. It just is oak, charred oak, uh, new charred oak. Um, so they did get that. But, you know, I thought it was really good. I, I thought it was a great way to uh, get a lot of people excited about bourbon. Um, and you know, like, like everyone else said, the production value was really good. Um, it was entertaining, you know, as entertaining as a bourbon documentary can be. So I thought that was good and it was like everywhere. I mean, I had people sending it to me who, you know, I talked to about bourbon once and they never drank bourbon their entire life and would email it to me, say, Hey, have you seen this? So it was cool to see, you know, it get a lot of people into bourbon. Um, and actually, um, I feel like it's just been in production forever. So just the fact that it actually made it. And I'm <laughs> yeah. Email yeah. In like That's true. 2015. And I'm sure we all get those emails of, Hey man, I'm working on this project. You know, I know you're in bourbon. Do you want to write about it? And to see one of them actually come to life and, you know, get, get a, uh, a really good um, release. You know, that was pretty cool to see. So this if you don't mind, I'd like to add, this is Ryan Lentz, the other Ryan. Um, I thought it was great. I actually, it's absolutely mandatory that you drink a, a glass of bourbon while you're watching it. I mean, if you don't, you don't just drink water with that. That's for sure. Yeah. But no, I really like you. it. And instantly, like right after I watched it, it really like shows the, like, like the romance and the, the coolness of age spirits and stuff. And I instantly after I stopped watching, I'm like, I gotta like send this to my friends that are like kind of on the borderline. Like they come over and they drink some of my bourbon when they're there, but don't really understand it and really don't understand, you know, all of the uniqueness that's around it. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it for sure. Yeah. See, I thought what was interesting was, I don't know if it's just the documentaries I'm kind of drawn to, but they all kind of seem to have an air of, you know, uncovering some kind of conspiracy or, you know, there's just something, you know, that, uh, you know, is, is something you don't really know, or, you know, they're trying to do this different take on something. I feel like what's cool about neat was it, it was really just kind of an artistic, just, we're going to show you bourbon, what it's all about. You know, I, I do think it was, you know, certainly the person that didn't know anything about bourbon could take a lot away from it. The person who knew a lot already. I mean, I get that a lot of that stuff was kind of repeated, but I just think it really made you feel in touch with bourbon and I, I mean it made you want to go grab a glass of bourbon and if you weren't a bourbon drinker to start i think by the end of the movie you're thinking i, I want to give this a try which is fantastically successful at that and it's well received too everybody seems to like it so far which is fantastic yeah it's it's the first one that's really broken through i mean for for i guess kenny will know this and and ryan um here we've got a, the public television ket that has probably six or seven bourbon documentaries mm-hmm. that they play every now and again. And they go back probably, I mean, one of them looks like it must be in the eighties. I mean, you've got <laughs> Bill Samuels. Yeah. Like the big bad glasses on and, you know, women with bad eighties hair. 
Um, so we were do we were doing it back then, and this is the first one to get I think beyond the borders. Um, I was involved in one probably three years ago called uh, Straight Up Kentucky Bourbon, and it didn't it didn't launch really as anywhere near that Neat is is launching, and it's really nice to see that it's getting this kind of reception. And I agree with what everyone said. It's it's probably a more basic level, but that's probably what's needed. Um, I'll still stay tuned for the more uh, you know nerdy dorky one, but uh, yeah. this is it's really good, and I'm really glad it's succeeding. Yeah, it, I, I I don't want to say I thought it was great. I I just I really like Bourbon Tucky, and I kind of was c- comparing it to that, and I, I think mm-hmm. I lean more towards Bourbon Tucky was kind of more appealing to me. But they they both are fantastic documentaries. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It had, had elementary pieces to it, but I also think bringing Steve Zahn in as a comedic or, com- or comedic relief was pretty good at times too, right? Where he's yeah, I loved like, with know, the L8, you know, when he's like, yeah. <laughs> just pours it in, chugs it. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there's it was a nice. It was nice to see him there, right? Yeah, there's there's a lot of good chat that's going on about it, but I think uh, this is something that we could always hit on because people are talking about. Uh, you know, did Marion get featured too much uh, compared to anybody else? Because you think about some of the other big pundits out there, Chuck Cowdery um, and, and everybody else that are, are very well known in the bourbon geek world didn't really have any sort of uh, any kind of scene. And right. It was uh, very much uh, really focused on like two to three people. And it was really Marianne and Freddie Johnson. But they both told the story, I think, really, really well. So let's go ahead and we will move on to the next topic. And this was something that was, uh, I guess if you're here in Louisville, you had the opportunity to get it. And it was a release for James Thompson and Brothers Final Reserve 45-year-old bourbon uh, here in Louisville. So it was, quote unquote, 47-year-old. It was tanked for two years. But there were 250 bottles, 150 released to the public. It was $1,800 plus tax. Uh, people were actually camped out in the rain for it. And this is an $1,800 bottle. Uh, it's the oldest bourbon that's ever been released. Uh, the first few of them actually sold on the secondary market for upwards of 5000 And then the reviews came out. And this is when people actually said, because the box in itself actually had the bottle, plus it had a tasting sampler, like a little like uh, two-ounce thing next to it. And people started cracking those open. And people said it was terrible. And so now you kind of see everything's kind of flatlined in it. Um, so what do you guys think? Because at this point, what's the what's the unlikely or what's the likely future and outcome of this bourbon? Because it had high expectations of being the oldest bourbon ever released. And then it kind of uh, peaked within the matter of just hours. Well, let me jump in first. Who in their right mind thought this was going to be good? Yeah, (laughs) that's that's what I was going to say. I was like, are they surprised that it sucked? Yeah. I mean, you get a Elijah Craig 18 or or something that's 23. And I mean, you're already chewing wood, um, which and I like oak. I mean, I like it fine. But, you know, 45 years is going to do bad things to a bourbon. Yeah. And how where were they even aged? I, I didn't read all that much on it. So. Um, because I mean, you think about, you know, a lot of times they talk about the 23 year old Van Winkle barrels, a lot of them won't have anything left or, or they'll have three gallons left or something. So they took it another 22 years and they, uh, you know, still had bourbon left over. 
Um, I'm sure it's proof down and everything, but yeah, I, I'm with Brian. You know, anybody who thought it was going to be something tasty, you, you're just fooling yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think I read that it came out around 115 proof out of the barrel. What did and they I, bring I, it down to bottle? Do you know? Uh, I don't know off memory. I, I didn't read too much about it either. I, I did read that they uh, were tasting it. I don't know. I don't know how long they've been tasting. It seemed like for quite a while, actually, hmm. uh, as it was getting up there in age. So, it, I mean, it, it seems in a lot of ways that they were just trying to push the envelope on, you know, what's the longest we can age this thing and still have it be drinkable, essentially. You know what I mean, because yeah. that's the, the novelty is really the age at the end of the day. That's the age right. and the scarcity is going to cause everyone to want to say, what does that taste like? Because it's you can't just go out and find that. Uh, there was a pretty funny quote in there by Catch Twenty Two. They said even yeah. the angels, even the angels didn't want it. <laughs> <laughs> Their new slogan. Yeah, <laughs> which you know it, it's like uh, if you're going to spend five thousand dollars on the oldest bourbon ever released, fine, that's great. If you got five thousand dollars, spend it. But if you're spending it because you think it's going to taste good, you know that's just that's just stupid to me like i actually don't have a problem with people wasting money if they understand what they're buying <laughs> but if they think they're gonna like sip on it on a weeknight and enjoy it no it's it's a basically well, did, didn't one sell like for like seven thousand dollars like that night or something on the secondary it might have but at most probably only one but nothing really um like i said there was a first few that went but after that it kind of flatlined you know i i kind of want to change the subject a little bit to, or kind of twist a little bit to, to Lentz. Uh, can I get your idea? Like, where do you, do you think that this is now, now that the reviews are out now, do you really think like this could possibly hold its value, grow in value? Because there's not going to be another one like it uh, as far as I can see for quite some time. Yeah. It's hard with age that long. Yeah. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, and it, and it was packaged this way, it's a collector's piece. I mean, you have the bottle and then they give you a little sample bottle. So that's just already going of, okay, they're going to, they're going to collect and hold on to the bottle, but if they want a little taste, they can, you know, mm-hmm. keep, keep that little side. But then my question would be, if you take a sip of that little sample, are you then decreasing the value of their overall package? Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I think, I think it will probably, it flooded the market. So right now it's kind of, people are seeing reviews and they're thinking it, but again, there's only how many bottle, how many packages, 250 or something like that. Yeah. 150 went to public. I have no idea what they're going to do the other hundred. Uh, I know, I know there was a tasting that was done with Bill Thomas at Jack Rose and uh, that night. And some people were invited, you paid like a hundred dollars a ticket to go and sample it. Um, I didn't hear anybody that said good out of that either. Yeah. Now, I think that right now it's the market's flooded and it's gone down a little bit, but it'll probably creep back up. It's a collector's piece and people that collect will want that box. This, the same people with that box behind you, the chessmen, probably said the same thing, you know, <laughs> way back in the day. <laughs> That'll never sell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, what is it? It's of, uh, there's poison in it because it's, you know. Lead. Uh, yeah. The lead. Yeah. Yeah. The lead. I've drank enough of it. I'm good still. So. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> he, he glows in the dark, but yeah. Yeah, overall. <laughs> so what do you guys kind of see as the, because the, this is not done. Uh, there's actually more releases that are coming. They actually have plans for releasing a 43-year, also a 41-year bourbon. Uh, they, I guess they wanted to start off with a bang and just do their, their biggest one. Where do you guys kind of see, like, do you think, 
like maybe this will end people camping out or you think people are just going to keep taking the log and, and just buy it and try to flip it because it's, it's easy money for some Forgive people. me for the ignorance, but who the hell makes this that like, where, where's this whiskey Bill coming Thomas. from? It's, it's like the Jack Rose family, whatever, right? I have no idea. I didn't read any press releases for it. All I know, it says James Thompson and brother final reserve. I believe I believe that I it's from Glenmore Distillery from way back in the day. Yep. Okay. Hmm. Which Glenmore became um Heaven Hill? No. Was it? Uh, no, 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 this no. is where we look to you. Yeah. <laughs> no, says I think uh it's well it's Owensboro, Glenmore, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of uh Sazerac's uh um they don't distill there, but storage, I think. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to Google that one. They, they went out of business. Yeah, yeah, they, they definitely went out of business. Do they bottle it at one fifteen proof? No, they don't have the proof on the front of the bottle, from what I see, unless it's really small. It's on the side of the bottle. So this, they'd, they'd be interesting though. Something that old, you know. Usually, you have to proof them down to you know around ninety to kind of deal with those, you know, those oak flavors. Well, and. and, and you know, some magic filtering. I mean, it's some of like the oh, yeah. older orphan barrels that you just got to, you can tell have just been, had all the heart filtered out of them. Huh. So the Thompson family maintained control until 1991. Uh, Guinness, Shinley, United went through that whole uh, Sazerac purchased the Barton distillery. Hold on. Is, is Glenmore Barton? Is that right? No. No, but it, uh, that does... Glenmore is that, a bottling plant. Oh, that's where I was coming now, from. They, I, it's now a bottling plant. Um, yeah. And then they just they started again in 2016 distilling rum. So it's under the Sazerac brand. So right. what's the Sazerac rums like Sailor Jerry or something? Uh, we all sound like experts right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're getting really into the weeds on this. <laughs> yeah, so really. Claim to know everything. <laughs> but all you right. got to you got to wonder though if if having that sample bottle. Is was if it helped or hurt the the value? So I got it. Yeah, it helped or hurt the value. Sorry, I got an ad in my browser just popped up and it's making tons of noise here. You got to wonder if that's going to hurt them for the future releases. I mean, right. if you have people camping out, I doubt they're going to be sitting on a shelf two months from now, anyways. So. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at what Mickners did with Celebration. I mean, you, if they would have put a sample bottle on that. No one's going to buy it after the first couple of five thousand go, five thousand dollars go, and yeah, that's that's a risky move given that sample bottle. It is. Well, I think I think that's a little bit different. I think the Michter Celebration is a, a different animal than this, right? Like I think you can actually drink Michter Celebration. Like it's it's actually probably pretty yeah. tasty. Never tried it myself because mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for my free bottle to come in the mail. Uh, it, but it's, it's something that I'm sure that you're not going to be like, Oh, spit this out. Like it's sour. It's, you're not going to do it. It's, it tastes like you're chewing on, uh, you know, a toothpick or something. I, I feel, I feel pretty strongly that it doesn't matter what it tastes like. It's some of the oldest bourbon, even, even the ones that are coming that are a little bit younger, it's limited edition in a very small quantity. And there's never been 40-year-old bourbons before. People will buy it, and it will increase value in the secondary market. You think it'll increase over time? Yeah. But like you said earlier, I mean, where is another 40-year-old bourbon going to pop up, right? I mean, 
It'll definitely maintain for sure. I just don't see it dropping out. Um, You know, I think it maybe be closer like one of the old Jim Beam distiller masterpiece bottles where there's very few of them out there, but you know, they don't really skyrocket like Stitzel Weller stuff, but they just kind of maintain a a strong value. I think that's fair. Yeah. I I think the key is too. people have to know about it, you know, in five years from now, if, People are new to it, even if they have money and interest, they don't really know what it is. I mean, just looking at that bottle, the front of the bottle, you wouldn't necessarily know what that is. You'd scan right by it. You know, so it's not like a Pappy Van Winkle or something like that. Everyone knows the name. They want it. They don't know really what it is, but they want it. You know, a lot of cases, you know, this is you kind of got to do a little research to figure out what it is. So are people going to do that in five years? Is it going to be strong enough? Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead. We'll move on a little bit. Uh, there's a few good comments that I kind of want to put in here. Uh, Kevin Snow said, I'm still waiting for their 80-year rye. <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah. And then uh, Catch-22 comes again. Man, he's he's got he's on fire tonight. He said uh, they should, their new marketing campaign should be, our bourbon is ready when it's ready. So. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah, well said. Uh, so uh, I'm going to skip one and kind of move to the next one is, is um, you know, the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board, uh, you know, the, the, this is a state run um, institution that really you can only get allocated bourbon in Pennsylvania through their online website. And it's the only way that you can get basically anything is through uh, since it's all government ran and they do an online lottery now for a lot of their allocated bourbons. And in their last one, I guess they had some random Booker's Rye still sitting around. And they they priced their Booker's Rye at their online lottery in a state-controlled, government-ran liquor system at $600, which is right in line with secondary. And when they asked about it, it was actually published on the forums that somebody responded back that they are looking at secondary prices and pricing them accordingly. It is a – I found it amazing – uh, Brian, I kind of look at you and say, is this legal? Yeah, it's it's legal. And I think uh, Denny Potter was on the record this week saying that you that they Heaven Hill looks at secondary prices in, in looking at it. We all know Willett has started to look at secondary prices. And when the producer comes out with a suggested retail price, that's really all it is, is a suggestion. It's what they want you to sell it for. And... And it's not, I mean, people use the word gouging, and I've used the word gouging. But legally, from a legal standpoint, you can't gouge on bourbon prices. Um, you, the gouging really only applies if, there's, if, you're, if you jack up the price of gas during a hurricane when everyone's, when Blake's leaving Florida. Um, you, can't, you can't charge more for Blake gas. That's, yeah, that, that, that's price down. gouging. You, you can't price gouge on bourbon. You can't price gouge on Final Four tickets or You're Super Bowl price tickets. Price in a Ferrari, like it, yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's something that you that people don't need. So you can charge whatever the market bears. And Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board is just being a market participant here. Um, it's you know it's unfortunate. And when I go to a store that that I see a, an Elijah Craig Barrel Proof going for three hundred dollars. I'm not going to go back to that store. I'm going to go to where I can get it at, at its suggested retail price or right about there. So consumers just – if consumers cannot buy it, then you know, let's not do that. and The prices will come down. 
but they'll go as high as as people will uh, will accept. And I'm sure they sold out of their remaining Booker's Rye at six hundred dollars in you know in a flash. So I guess what's the, there's a problem with that though, right? Is is we have the ability to sit there and say I'll go to another store for residents of Pennsylvania. It's their entire right. state. It's their right. entire state. Uh, and so I, it's kind of it's kind of confusing to me that this is this is sort of how it's run. I I always thought it was good to kind of be in some of these control states because they usually follow MSRP. Yeah. Uh, and this is the first instance that we've seen somebody actually come out and say that they are pricing it according to secondary market prices. Yeah, and and I actually you know I applaud uh, the economist slash free market in me kind of applauds these people who say hey if we can get more we can get more you know I think it's stupid if you overprice it because it's just sitting on a shelf so you know you could sell it a whole lot faster buy more inventory sell that buy more inventory you know so if they don't do that but you know if, if you can get three hundred dollars for a bottle or six hundred dollars for it. That's what the market's dictating. Um, you know, you kind of got to balance that out with customer loyalty and everything else. My problem with it was Pennsylvania, as far as I can remember, is the only state that has actually prosecuted somebody selling Pappy on Craigslist. Yep. And that part to me was just like the most hypocritical thing ever. Like, how, how are you going to say, hey, here's the terms, here, here's the market we are trying to adhere to. But if you participate in that market, um, yeah, we're going to arrest you. And like right. that was just stupid to me. And they even said, you know, try to put in there, well, you know, basically we're trying to make as much money for the government as possible because it funds all these other things. It, that was kind of the lotto um, reasoning here in Florida, you know, a decade or so ago. Well, you know, the lotter- the lottery system funds school programs. So that's why we're okay with it, even though we're against gambling, but lottery is okay. So, you know, that, that whole, uh, hypocritical standpoint on the secondary was the biggest thing for me. And it's a lottery too. So it's not, you know, they're going secondary pricing and they're saying, you know, put your name into the hat to be able to buy it for that price, which, you know, Pennsylvania too, they have laws like you can't bring any any liquor in you can't bring anything into pennsylvania if you get caught with it and it's come in from outside they you you can get whatever the repercussion of that is they confiscated your fine arrested whatever right so here's a state that really controls its liquor very very strongly and says that it's for the good of the people that they're in in control of all this and then here they are which i mean how much are they going to make what do they have 20 bottles 30 bottles i don't know what the bottle count is but they don't, is that really that big of a deal to them as far as money? You got to put in for a lottery. I mean, at least give it to the people for a reasonably fair price or close to MSRP. I mean, this could actually be the start of them shooting themselves in the foot. You know, the whole idea is, hey, we're still bringing it to the people. We're doing these fair lotteries. They're able to get it for MSRP. Well, now suddenly it's, well, hey, we're charging as high a price as the guy in New York City you know, who has the market for it and, you know, is actually a participant in a free market. And here we are, the state, we have full control over everything everybody drinks, or at least we want to, and we're going to charge that high price. And you have to be in a lottery for it. <laughs> Lou Bryson might have something to say about that. I know he's not oh, yeah. a fan of the <laughs> of the board there. This, this just confirms my, without getting too political, but that you can't look to the government to do anything because they talk out of both <laughs> sides of their mouth. And it's like, 
here you go. Here's another example why we shouldn't have the government run everything for us. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> well, maybe with their extra money, that at least maybe the, the cost of stamps will kick quick going up. Like I don't yeah, know exactly. <laughs> it's like you have to pay your tax bill, but we can't pay our bills. So okay, fair. <laughs> Let's. You got anything else to add to this? No, I guess the only thing that I would find interesting is is what were the restaurants and bars paying in Pennsylvania for the Booker's Rye? Like, were they paying MSRP and they were getting a cut? You know, they were you know, upcharging and stuff like that. Is it just really the cost? It's, you know, the slaughter the cattle and, you know, get the money, but the bars and the restaurants and uh, the state were getting, uh, we're getting all the money. Yeah. I, I think somebody else brought up a good point is that even if you buy them through Pennsylvania's looking control board, I think you still have to pay tax on it too, plus shipping. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so Jesus, like it's it's almost more of an incentive to actually go and do it illegally than yeah. it is to buy it illegally from them. Not in Pennsylvania, though, because they'll get you. Yeah, that's <laughs> they'll look for you. That's right. <laughs> what's what's interesting, not to change the topic, but you mentioned shipping. So they'll ship right inside Pennsylvania. You can get it shipped from their store, where, you know, wherever, right? And so UPS, there's a special exception where they signed off on it and said, yes, you know, you're allowed to ship inside this state, right? So it's a good case study of, you know, it's really not, you know, UPS or FedEx that's got the issue. You know, it's ultimately looking for the states to say, yes, go ahead. And so Pennsylvania says, yes, we're going to go ahead and allow shipping as long as it's from us to you inside this state. Anyone else? Not allowed. You're not allowed to buy it from outside this state. You're not allowed to bring it in, right? So they've got full control over everything. Yeah, it's it's soup to nuts. I mean, it really is. And it's it, it's hard to get around it. I mean, I feel bad for people that it's their only option. Right. Uh, uh, it's it's not a it's not an easy thing. However, uh, Edwin Vargas chimed in and he goes, at least Pennsylvania has a shot at it. Ohio doesn't even give retail consumers a shot. So uh, at least you don't live in Ohio. I mean, I don't know. It's a consolation prize. I, I don't know what to tell you, but uh, you can you can try to. Yeah, can you I don't still know. have an address in Pennsylvania? Yeah, <laughs> I, I got. Yeah, I'll have. Uh, I got credit cards and billion addresses up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll kind of move on to the next topic. Uh, so Heaven Hill is releasing their new uh, Old Fitz bottled and bond decanter set. It's a beautiful bottle. It it started making its way around the forums. Uh, I actually got to see a picture on Snapchat from somebody I know. So they were actually printing off the labels uh, uh, at one point. So I got to see that, which was pretty cool. Uh, and then actually finally putting on one of the first bottles. It is going to be priced at around $100. It is a, I think it's 11-year-old uh, weeded bourbon. So think of older larceny, maybe. Uh, yep. The question is, will you buy it at $100? Gun to your head, what are you going to do? Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it uh, a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. 
Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Heaven Hill is releasing their new uh, Old Fitz Bottled and Bond Decanter set. It's a beautiful bottle. It it started making its way around the forums. Uh, I actually got to see a picture on Snapchat from somebody I know. So they were actually printing off the labels uh, uh, at one point. So I got to see that, which was pretty cool. Uh, and then actually finally putting on one of the first bottles. It is going to be priced at around $100. It is a, I think it's 11-year-old uh, weeded bourbon. So think of older larceny, maybe. Um, yep. The question is, will you buy it at $100? Gun to your head. What are you going to do? I don't think that's a question for anything, anyone in this group. I think everyone would is buying at $100. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Absolutely. How much it goes up to that we're still buying. I mean, that's a really cool bottle. Um, you know, there's a big history behind it. Obviously, it's tastes probably nothing like the uh, the bourbon that was in the original bottles that look like that, but still really cool. I feel like $100 pretty pretty in line with today's market, you know, especially what they're putting out with the Parker's Heritage Collection. So, um, I mean, yeah, I'll grab them. It, it, no, it's 100 proof, right? Yes. It's a bottled and bond release. It is bottled and bond release, yeah. So, I mean, I would uh, – um, it's a beautiful decanter. It's a beautiful decanter. You can't get around it, right? I mean, it's it's gonna be really hard to put it on the shelf next to other things. It's gonna, you know. I mean, I spent four hundred dollars on a three seventy five of the Johnny Fitzgerald. Twenty years. Was, yeah, the twenty years. It's pretty good bourbon, but you know, it's not earth shattering or anything. So, but that's uh that's today's bourbon market. So we'll see. And if I saw correctly, there's gonna be upwards of. It was actually on a. If anybody wasn't paying attention, there was a Reddit uh, AMA today with Denny Potter, and he stated, I think there's upwards of 17,000 bottles uh, in this first release. So get ready for that. I think so it's you can be, get it. Yeah, yeah about. It'll be, it'll be two, uh, released twice a year uh, from what I understand. So so think about 30,000 bottles at least a year. Uh, this should be should be plenty to, to go around. So, so I'll get it, no doubt, and I hope to get a couple. But... Isn't this the same thing as Rebel Yell tenure, which which I really like, um, and it was fifty. I think this year they're raising it up to sixty, uh, but it's essentially the same thing. I mean, it's not. I guess it's not a single barrel, but it's it's ten year, it's ten year weeded bourbon from Heaven Hill. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the, the same thing is out there. Rebel Yale really missed their uh, missed their mar- market with you know they just put it in that little box. They yeah, they should put it in, fancier. And, 
Yeah, a little Check fake it. cardboard box. I mean, I think what we'll see next year is Rebel Yell at a Rebel Yell ten year at a hundred dollars. I, li- I like I like Rebel too. Yell. I like Rebel Yell at that price. I like to see something value like that that yeah. kind of snuck in under the radar a little bit. And you know, I think they were going to get their name out there, and you know, what they want to get people behind them. You know, they could have priced that at ninety nine dollars, and Zoo would have been good. But you could have been hearing crickets like, "What's Rebel Yell doing? Who are these guys?" You know, right. but they, I think they came out right. You know, now I see that name and they earn a lot of respect from me from doing that. So, so now I'm going to pay attention to them. Yeah, I agree. Agree. It's going to have a really nice glass cork, which will value it, you know, $60 at least. <laughs> at least. Well, and, and there's the tax strip on there. So that's like oh, yeah. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing. And I mean, come on. Anything with a tax strip automatically yeah, you, jumps or, 50 bucks. Or if you put wax on it. You know, a wax on, or especially white. <laughs> but I gotta ask you this: Is that a hint at any current releases that you go? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask for all you guys, though. Somebody asks you. You know, somebody asked me this a couple weeks ago. They said, "I, I, I gotta get a gift for somebody. He likes bourbon. What's like a really good hundred dollar bottle that I can go buy?" This would I'm, be a I'm good thinking, one. like, where can you even buy a hundred dollar bottle right now? Yes. You know, there's. I'm trying to think what's even available. Uh, at retailers for a hundred dollars in my area, you know, and there's just not a lot there. Right. So, I mean, the, the market is thin right there and there's people who want to spend that much money just cause they, you know, whether they're gifting it or they just want to feel like they're getting something more premium. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that's the entire reason why we have the orphan barrel lineup is because people go to the store and <laughs> yes. think, oh, I yes. want to buy like a hundred dollar bottle, you know, that and blood oath. It's like, I want to buy a hundred dollar bottle for a friend <laughs> or a, a gift or something. It's like, well, these are cool packaging and it's hundred bucks. So it must be good. So it's got a killer story. It's got yeah. a picture of a fox and a deer on it that are fighting. We got to have that. Right. Yeah. Uh, the bottle just looks good. So it's like, looks good. Cost more than a hundred bucks. Yep. They're so it's gotta be good. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, you, expense account. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, do you guys really think that this is one of those bottles that'll be at, I mean, let's, let's think about it. So orphan barrels, they had, they had their time in the, in the sun for a, a solid year where they kind of flew up the shelves. And then now you can kind of see them everywhere. Like nobody's, nobody's jumping on that train anymore. They've, they've kind of, um, I don't know if they've rubbed people the wrong way or anything like that, but you don't see a lot of people just going out trying to buy a bunch of orphan barrels. Uh, do you think this could see the same exact fate where, yeah, sure, the first release, maybe the second release, it'll fly off the shelves. And then after that, it's like, okay, well, if you're going to keep doing this as a regular thing, like it's going to continually be a shelf bottle. I think, I it'll think be they might want it to be a shelf bottle. Sorry, I, Ryan. Oh, no, I'll say, I think it'll be different because the old Fitz name is like, I don't know, it just resonates with people. And the 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 package is like timeless. I don't know. Whereas the orphan barrels are kind of like newer. I don't know. I just think I think it'll do better than the orphan barrels. And it's Heaven Hill. It's not yeah. some it's not some random Tuscaloosa or wherever Tuluma <laughs> place that these random Tus- barrels show Tuscaloosa. up. <laughs> yeah, Tuscaloosa. It's all the stories and marketing. Yeah. yeah. Savings down there, bottling bourbon. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Can I actually ask a question that that I have for the group and I, I'm guessing some of the viewers have. So No, has, this is has, this is my show. Get away. I'm just so, kidding. Go ahead, Ryan. Well, heaven hell, right? They have this weeded bourbon, they have old fits. They have Rebel Yell that's then, you know, the brand's owned by Luxco. And then they have uh, 
that that's it. Yeah. So, uh, oh, larceny. So, is it all the same Mashville and all aged in the same warehouses within Heaven Hill and just distributed and branded differently, or does Luxco move the Rebel Yell stuff to a different, you know, Rick House anywhere? Is it, or is it just all the same and just aged it? You know, regular old Fitz is more like four years, and Larceny is more like five years. Larceny is like six to eight. Old Fitz okay. is like four years and then rebel yell is yes aged at heaven hill and bottled in st louis um mm-hmm. currently but now luxco will be open in here soon and starting to make their own but yeah so it's just age. It's, it's all aged in the same area it's just different different brands and aged in different times exactly it's kind of like elijah so you have evan williams elijah craig and henry mckenna are all the same mash bill but different ages and proofs so <laughs> In different Do brands. they have dedicated warehouses? You know how like Buffalo Trace has whatever it is, Warehouse H, specifically for Blanton's. Do they do that for any of their brands or is it kind of all over the place? It's for, for Heaven Hill? Yeah. It's it's all over the place. I mean, you can get an Elijah Craig that's in Deetsville or you can get one that was aged but in Barksdale. do they do their weeded mash bill all over or do they keep that uh, weeded? I, I, I I don't know about the weeded. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I guess we should have asked that to Denny when we need him. Yeah, I should ask that to Denny on Reddit. <laughs> on <the> Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess uh, another question is, you know, there's a there's a pretty much a staple here in Kentucky. You know, we we talk about the Heaven Hill bottom the bond six year. That's always that white label. Mm-hmm. However, there's always one that's kind of right next to it, and that's just the the old Fitz. Uh, there's the old Fitz one that's just a regular label that i mean they've got some squat bottles laying around they've got some cognac style bottles that are around uh you got the green label you got the red label you think this is going to have any effect on those because this is i mean don't get me wrong like this is what they consider like lower tier uh that's always in the sort of bottom shelf because it's a what like a 16 18 bottle if that like what do you think is is the is the detriment or like what do you think could possibly happen to that if it's going to suffer some sort of uh, brand shaming or are uh, people still going to stay loyal to it? Who knows? I, th- yeah. I think there's a good possibility. It's going to lift the brand. If you're seeing something that looks similar, it's got a similar name, similar look to some extent, you can relate the two for a hundred dollars on the shelf. It looks premium. I mean, it was fantastic bottle. You might start to take notice of those lower tier ones and say, maybe I'll give that a shot. You know, and what they're going to be like, uh, you're gonna be like Pappy and Wellers, you know, kind of like that. Well, yeah, I mean, even think more, about I mean, Weller. Look at the look at the three Wellers. I mean, you know, Weller Special Reserve gets just siphoned right up with the other two. You know, we we've talked about that a bunch of times, and I, I think it's very possible. Not in the exact same situation, but I think it could lift it or at least get it on people's radar. Yeah, and I'm it's just, it's really the lesson from from Rebel Yell. I mean, which we already talked about. I know, but Rebel Yell was as bottom shelf as you could get. And then they tried about four years ago, Rebel Reserve, which was supposed to be six years, and it was still horrible. I mean, bad, bad stuff. And and now with the ten-year, they've really lifted the entire brand, and they're trying you know new and edgy things with their lower shelf brands. And all of all of Rebel Yell is you know is is up now. Sales are up because of the ten-year, and you're associating the lower shelf brands with the with the uh, great ten-year. Yeah. I'm just surprised it's taken them this long to like capitalize on that name. 
Like you bought this brand, you know, from Stitzel Weller and did nothing with it essentially, yeah. except change the name to Larceny and try to make it your own, which Larceny's done well, but it's just, it's surprised. I guess they finally realized that Stitzel Weller is so huge on this, you know, from the secondary market that, Hey, now we can capitalize on it. So um, I don't know about that. I think it's a, it's a two way street, right? Because when you look at, um, you know, we're, we are the, 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 I'd say five percenters of the bourbon market, right? Like we know the history of old fits. Like we know what it means to the bourbon realm, the bourbon community um, and, and kind of like what the history of Stitzel Weller, like their target market in Larceny is the other 95% of people, right? Like that is, that is mainstream. That is uh, everyday consumers. They don't care about history. They just want a delicious bourbon to drink. And so I, I, I don't necessarily think that, and not only that is when you look at the packaging, you look at the name, you have to think of, of it's, it is a marketing thing at the end of the day. Um, you get somebody that's just now turning like 23 years old. You want them to go like get into bourbon and like think about, they want to like it. And you're like, here, try this bottle of old fits. You're like, what the hell is like my grandpa would drink that. Right. And then he's like, here's this bottle of Larson. He's got a sweet key on the front of it. You're like, yeah, I can get, I can get on top of that one. Right. <laughs> So I don't know. Uh, I mean, any other thoughts, uh, you know, within the the old fits and the, the sweet packaging before we move on to the next topic? Uh, Whiskey Wonka said, uh, you know, because we said that to be about, you know, 17,000 bottles. We said it might be pretty easy to find. Uh, he said, well, there is par- apparently 30,000 stags and I still couldn't find one. So <laughs> Very true. Yeah, they did a good job hiding those. <laughs> I'm Kenny still not. Can, I mean – that should be a topic at one point looking at like I had three or four state allocations that I was looking at maybe more than that. 30,000 bottles did not come out. I don't know where they went, but I don't know. I'm, I, that's a little more conspiracy theory, but I still don't I, think there were 30. I think the liquor stores did a good job. Keeping in Pennsylvania. The yeah. Going through <laughs> their <laughs> list. They got like 120 I bottles, they did. You know, unless they were just lying and they're holding on to a bunch of them too. But, yeah, that like Ryan, they're Pennsylvania's holding on to them to see whether the secondary market's going to yeah. level off and they get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, that's just in six hundred dollars in the Pennsylvania lottery. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so we're going to move on to a another subject, um, and we've actually got we got him on the, the chat. This is a, a good subject by by Wade Woodard, and it's something that is becoming a new norm. And this is the the hundred dollar NDP. And most of these NDPs are from MGP. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, two years ago, we used to scuff at the prices that are coming out, uh, thinking that, uh, like, how could you possibly sell an NDP bourbon for $100 and think that we're going to be okay with it or people are going to buy it. But now you've got things like mic drop that are coming out. Um, you've got things like old Carter that are coming out, which I actually have right behind me. Uh, so I, I pulled a tater move and bought one. I'll, I'll explain why in a little bit. But to, you got to keep this in perspective that a bottle of stag is $89. So is do you guys really think that $100 NDP MGPs are the new norm now? I think it's yes. I think it's fine because it's they're like 12-year bourbons, and it's hard to find 12-year good bourbons. And so I don't know. I think at $100, at least you can – I don't know. I think it's a good value or not value, but you know what I'm saying? Like, well, or 12, you can't get, so you can find these MGPs that are good. I don't know. I think it's not a bad thing. But I mean, you're, you're talking a hundred dollars, right? A hundred dollars for a bottle. And this, that's, that's what was considered super premium category 
Um, I think it still possibly is when you when you look at the sales, because the average bottles of bourbon are somewhere between uh, in between like 20 and 40 dollars. Right. And so when you see all these that are coming out that are just hundred dollars and they're all sourced from the same stuff, it's just a new label. I mean, is 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 this just a, a way to kind of just trick consumers or is this a way to sit there and try to make a few extra bucks because now you can buy a few barrels and, and throw it at the market? I think it's a mix. You know, I think people are going to get what they pay for. So, you know, as these new bottles come out, people are paying for them. There's going to be more of them that come out. So ultimately it's on the consumer because people are buying them. If they sat on shelves, there wouldn't be a new brand every other month that is coming out with, you know, sourced MGP products. So, um, and it just kind of, people always want to try something new, even though it's coming from the exact same distillery. Um, a lot of times in the same age range, it's something new and different and usually has a little bit of a taste if you can kind of trust the person that's blending them. So uh, I think it's just all about being new and kind of staying ahead of the customer a little bit. I think you, I think it kind of depends who you're, what you're buying and, you know, who put that together. Uh, you know, we were just talking about the, the old it's hundred hundred ten dollars you know i mean it's coming right from a you know well-known distillery look mgp is a well-known distiller, distillery so the stuff coming out of there is coming from a good distillery just like heaven hill is a good distillery you know so then you say okay well is it somebody's release that's fifty dollars a bottle or a hundred dollars a bottle well what are they doing what are they putting in that hundred dollar bottle you know are you buying the revitalization of a brand and you know packaging and that kind of thing or are you buying you know, something that somebody really carefully went through and selected barrels and, you know, maybe blended, you know, it spent some extra time putting some together that's better. And I think that's where that's where it gets tricky and that's where it gets tough. And a hundred dollars a bottle is, you know, you can't just buy them all. So I think that's where people look to see what other people are thinking. That's why they're looking to reviews and other people's thoughts on on social media and things like that to figure out if they're worthwhile going after or not. You know, and there's some good ones and there's some bad ones. Lince, you've been quiet over there. You're, I'm waiting for you to chime in. Yeah, so <clears throat> I was the one actually over in the summer that purchased the mic drop, which is MGP, eight-year cast strength. You know, I know it got a lot of hype and people loved it. Personally, it wasn't for me. Kind of a lesson learned that, you know, maybe these blends of MGPs really aren't for me. However, I do think that when you get to the MGP and you get to these single barrel cast strength selections, kind of like going back in the day when Smooth Ambler had the old scout picks, like there's 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 places that are doing 10, 11, 12, even 13-year-old MGP single barrel cast strengths. And I think that's where the value really is, is trying to find a good barrel, you know, a really tasty barrel um, where it's you're getting your bang for your buck. That's so. That's where I focus my as as a consumer. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with Ryan. The two Ryans think alike. I'm yeah. right there with him. <laughs> so is uh is as Rob McCarthy says, it could be a thing of FOMO. Um, it also is a thing that, that somebody else had mentioned on here that maybe we're just all suckers for marketing, uh, or maybe we're suckers for hype. Like, uh, so I'll I'll kind of put it at somebody else. Like, do you think that? We have like basically somebody's going to post it somewhere and be like, oh, this is awesome. And uh, the first thing in thought in mind is, well, I don't have that bottle. I think I need to go get it. Right. Like what's what's your your thought process behind that? I think that's going to happen. 
Yeah, that's we're definitely going to see that. I mean, you know, it's just the state of where we are now, right? You want to get it before everyone else grabs it and you can't. But, you know, I think then, again, it gets back to trying to figure out what you're actually buying and if it's really going to be that good or not, you know, and how much, you know, cash do you have to spend on $100 bottles? That's been and, happening to me since I was eight years old when somebody had the Reebok pumps and I didn't oh, have them. You know, you're like, I got to what you're going to say with bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got the Reebok BMXs. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely a, a, a FOMO moment for a lot of people. And it's, it's really because it, the, the market's still growing. I mean, we're still getting people into the bourbon market and they're having this, Oh shit moment of, I got to get that. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I've got a room full of bourbon and you know, <laughs> I didn't buy mic drop and I'm, you know, I'm not looking at these other ones and I, I'm not worried about missing out on a MGP and until more people are not worried about it, 100 is the new norm. I mean, the, the, the old $25 bottle of Weller 12, you know, that's the, the old 25 is now 50, and the old 50 is now 100. And, and now we're not thinking twice about paying 300 for a Willet. And, you know, we're talking about all these, these, these prices going up, and it's, it's really the new norm and st- until the market starts leveling off. Uh, Brandon Griffiths kind of had, had a good point. He said, uh, you know, look at the old smooth ambler, old scout bottles. Uh, and so you look at this as saying, well, what's possibly that next uh, SAOS release, right? So is it Mike Drop? Is it, um, you know, Boone County? Is it is it OKI? Is it any of these things? Um, For sure. Nobody really knows at this point, right? So you want to get it. You, you want to get it in case you yeah. land on it. Right. I mean, that that Boone County that you brought over, Kenny, was like one of the best things I had in a, in a while. That was really good. I mean, a 12-year MGP. It was fantastic. I'd pay 100 for that all day. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. Uh, Robert Robert Daly had something else to say. He said, you know, watch MGP be like the new Stitzel Weller. You know, all these up-and-coming distilleries that are actually using them are going to have to switch over to their own distillate at some point. And their MGP bottlings are going to be coming uh, possibly more valuable, right? So who knows what that progress is, is going to be like, uh, you know, you look five to 10 years down the road. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, all, good, if, if all smooth amblers taste like contradiction, I mean, we're all going to be paying $500 for the uh, old scouts. <laughs> I'm glad that you said it because I was never a fan of contradiction either. Uh, yeah, it's it, bad. Yeah. I was it's interesting. I, it wasn't there for me. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I, I guess uh, kind of like to, to kind of cap this this sort of topic off, you know, when you when you look at it, is it more or less curiosity when you're looking at these different MGPs that are at a hundred dollars? Or I mean, do you really think that any of them are even worth over fifty? Um, and do you think that you have to like really vet it out first before you do it? Or do you think this is somebody that's, as I said, just slapping a label on it, trying to take advantage of the market. Whereas there are some other MGPs out there that aren't uh, at a hundred dollars and maybe you can get them close around the $50 range. I would answer that question with a question, which is, are the majority of people buying those? Do they know they're basically coming from the same place? You know, who's that, who's that market? I think I think we've always brought it on the show before is that you've you've got to be conscious of the label and and be able to read it and know exactly where it's coming from. Um, however, 
most people don't really care. They see a sweet label. They they understand a, a, a some story, and maybe that's just what they buy. I, I don't know. Yeah, and what percentage of the market is looking at the label and understanding what they're buying? You know, is that five percent? Is that forty percent? You know, where where does that fall? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of going back to the single barrel uh, about these MGPs. I I really think when you look at the market. Where else are you going to get a single barrel cast strength bourbon? Knob Creek, maybe some recipes of Four Roses. But outside of that, if you're looking for that range of 12 plus years, single barrel cast strength, you're going to get an MGP from one of these, you know, the distillers are starting the, the brands that are building themselves up. So I think that's where, you know, if you're looking to expand and get into these MGPs, I think that's really where the value and the bank for your buck is. And Ryan, and Ryan we're on the same Maybe. wavelength. I'm thinking the same thing, my man. <laughs> well, then I'll say I'll say this to both Ryan's. Then I mean, we're we're what three years away from the production from years ago catching up, and we're going to start having ten year old bourbons here pretty soon, and twelve year old bourbons pretty soon. And are we going to need MGPs? There you go. Mm-hmm. That's a, a, a devil's advocate. There, uh, yeah. You probably not, but we'll wait and see. Yeah. So, but get it now. But but the lesson is drink it now. I mean, yeah. don't hang on to it. Just For enjoy sure. it. Yeah. Good. Sounds good. All right. So let's move on to the last topic. We got just a few more minutes left, and this one was one of I don't know. I, I found it. Uh, uh, maybe it's just me just griping. I actually had somebody that sent me a contact and and said that I've turned into a bit of a snob when I do these roundtables, and maybe that's agreed. That's, that's yeah. agreed. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Not just on um, the round tables. Is it in life? You know, I, I see, and it actually was all kind of stemmed from the whole Blanton's argument last time because I, I didn't understand why people chase it or why they care about it. Um, and and now it, it was Blanton's three weeks ago. Uh, and then this week, I want to bring up a new one that I don't understand why people are chasing after it. And it's, I, I don't know, Wathens or Wathens, whatever you say. I'll, I'm going to say Wathens, but Wathens Barrel Proof. Uh, it seems Wathens. that, like, people are just going, is, you say Wathens? Is that what you I say? say Wathens. Yeah. Oh, it's Wathens. Uh, it's Wathens. Really? Yeah. This is like BTAC and BTAC. <laughs> yeah, I, I've met a guy who's an artist, and he's like a you know third-generation non-distiller, and he pronounces it Wathens, so I go with Wathen. Wow. There you go. My world is different now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now we can all agree on that. Thanks for being the, uh, the, the authority there, Brian. Always. So I, I guess I kind of want to look at you all because honestly, like Wathens has been around for a long time. Uh, they've, they've had their standard shelf items that have always been there. It's been okay. It's never been something I've, I've always wanted to go grab. Um, it's a little bit higher on the price, uh, even for their regular stuff. Uh, when you want to look at everyday shelf items, uh, such as it could be, it could be Larceny, it could be Knob Creek, it could be all these different things. Uh, but then all of a sudden you see Wathen's barrel proof come out and then automatically people go crazy. Um, is it because it's barrel proof or is it because it's a single barrel store pick? And, and is that the reason why people are doing this? So I kind of want to get your all's opinions. I think it's the store pick angle. I mean, these store picks are just taking on like mystiques of them, which I agree store picks are the way to go for true unicorns, but it's like crazy. Like that Weller antique store picks are like 
you know, $80, $90, just because they're store picks. And the same thing for these Waythens, Wathens, whatever, Medley Brothers, Barrel Proof. Uh, yeah, I think it's just the store picks. People just are think they're unique and want go crazy over them. Well, I, I actually think that it's a good segue from the MGP. This is an MGP. This is contract distilled for Waythen. So from this is Barton's, a little bit right? or, What's that? Does Barton's make theirs or is or am I off? There's all sorts of theories. I think there's people are saying it could be uh, Heaven Hill. It could be Buffalo Trace. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think that's the kind of appeal is you're getting a different mash, but at least from my perspective and Waythen's is that you're not getting that MGP. I think they kind of have a lower rye mash bill to theirs. So that's the kind of appeal from my perspective, a little bit different than the other store selections and MGPs and stuff like that, that you would get. I think Kevin Brinkeroff nailed it in three words, barrel proof sells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's barrel proof. It's, it's how you want it, you know, a different barrel proof. We all want to try it. Yeah. I think it's that simple. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the barrel proof sells. I actually got an email about this. Somebody saying it was going to be discontinued completely. So, you know, no, no, no. Somebody, I, I don't, it wasn't confirmed. He was asking if I knew. Um, but, you know, was that lens parking? Into, uh, yeah, barrel proof. And it's pretty well priced, too. And I mean, the, I, I'll be honest, I haven't tasted it recently, but from what I remember, it was pretty good. So, you know, I think you can hit a good combo and then you just get, you know, a really popular podcast like Bourbon Pursuit talking about it. And then all of a sudden the stuff blows up. So brands, if you want to sponsor the show, feel free. <laughs> I mean, what what's That's the difference funny. between Mictors and Wathans? Really, yeah. they're both contract distilled, right? Mm-hmm. One Mictors maybe came in a cooler bottle. I got that wax and some of their special or you know special. <laughs> bottles, but yeah. Well, that's you know, and I mean, I know Willett's now distilling a, a lot of their own, but it's still four years. But buying Johnny Drum or Kentucky whatever and all that stuff, it's kind of like you're trusting the person who is who is doing the blending ultimately, I guess. Um, so if they put out some good product, you say, yeah, yeah, well, that's, and you got to remember they're they're still getting that from good distilleries too. You sure. know, whether it's heaven Hill or Buffalo trace or wherever it is, it's still a good distillery. So I'm going to take a cue from Ryan. I'm going to ask a question to the panel as well. Now, since we can do that, I didn't realize that. Was Wait, a, I didn't know we could do that. Yeah. Only, uh, only uh, people can do that. This is a community, community around. Uh, Kenny's not going to allow that. Shit. Would you prefer somebody to buy a MGP NDP product at a hundred dollars, say 10 year barrel proof MGP or somebody like a Wathens and uh or uh you know a mictors that's more around the fifty dollar range or even you know say a, a bullet barrel proof is that a better a better buy even though it's a little bit younger and um you know are you leaning more towards that that brand 
I, I would think at least for me, well, first off, the jury is still out on whether it's Waffens or Waffens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy saying Waffens now. So. <laughs> this is like the chat is just blowing up of people like saying like, like W A Y thins. Like this is how it, then, you know, it's weathers, weathers. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's all over the place. So for me, when I, when I think about uh, that question, it's it's more like uh, where where is my my head going to be at uh, in regards of availability, scarcity, and um, you know really sometimes taste might be might be third um, because when I look at barrel proof bullet, yeah sure it's 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 great but it's always available so I'm not chasing after it if like if I ever need it I can just go get it. Uh, when you think of when you think of the the I'm going to go ahead and flop on the other side now when you think of the Waythens, you think of uh, you think of, okay, it's a store pick and it's barrel proof and it's something that I've never had before. So the intrigue is there. Um, however, you know, the stuff around here in Kentucky can't freaking keep anything on the shelf. So, uh, it's coming gone already. So I probably would have leaned more towards the, the Wathans over, uh, uh, bullet barrel proof at that point, even if it is, uh, you know, rumored to be, uh, four roses from, from bullet, but you know, that's, that's still never, that's, that's. That's us continuing rumors, but in a perfect world, everything's the same availability. But the reality is when something has different availability, you look at it differently because, you know, it may not you might not be able to buy it in a week. And that's that gets back to everything, you know, everything we're talking about. You know, if scarcity you think it's, it's the scarcity, scarcity sells. I mean, that's a huge marketing right. play. You, you can't avoid huge. it. I mean, it's it's like anything. You If you don't think it's going to be on the shelf in a week, you got to make a decision right trace. there. And what do you do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody else want to take uh, Blake's question before we kind of round it out? Buy it. <laughs> buy it buy it, all. Buy, both. buy it i guess send me a sample see what i missed out on because <laughs> you know I've, i'm i'm open to trying anything uh got a few i got actually got a sample of mic drop in the basement i gotta go try so perhaps i'll do that uh facebook live on friday we'll see what happens uh, but i, I do want to finish it up there was actually one great question that was in the chat and it was one of blake's uh articles that he put out recently and how about one more additional topic to finish this off since you know we're all drinking we're all having a good time uh Blake hates single barrel bourbons. Go ahead, Blake. What? Why? And let's, <laughs> yeah, let's, see, so, let's see. Let's see if we agree because I already disagree. So I hate to paint with such a broad <laughs> brush, you know. Um, but yeah, I've just had a lot of bad bad purchases recently with these single barrels. You know, um, it, it started with I won't name too many names, but. Um, I think I already put this out there on the this year's Parker's Heritage Collection. I had tasted uh, tasted a bottle, really thought it was excellent. Bought another bottle, mediocre at best. You know, it wasn't better than Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. Had something similar happen with um, I think it was a it was a Dusty Henry McKenna. So you know, single barrel has been a problem for a long time. It's it's really hard to get a lot of really good consistent single barrels um even when we're in kentucky talking with Brent elliott and you know the single barrel limited edition from four roses it's just tough to get that many barrels in the similar age that are all of similar similar quality and not to say that um 
you know, if it's a single barrel, it can be great. I, I would agree with that. There's no denying that, especially, especially some of these store picks and that kind of thing. But overall, blending barrels together, letting that be a little more of an art form of blending different barrels together to get a different uh, flavor profile. And, and, you know, the sum being what, what is it? The parts being better or no, the sum being better than the parts. Um, I, I think that's really where it lies for me. And there's just, there's a lot less risk and I know what I'm getting. So yeah, that was the point of that. I hate single barrels when they're like part of reviews, like in yeah. competitions. Cause you're like, okay, yeah, that single barrel was fantastic, but you have, you know, all these other of that particular brand and you're like, wait a minute, that, that doesn't, that's not right. You know? I know I know Wade harps on this a lot, uh, Wade Woodard, about these competitions where you know it's a single barrel. Brands just pick a honey barrel, send yeah. that, and that's not even close to what's actually hitting the shelves. You know, it, it's hard to really prove that because none of us are sitting at those tables, but you know it happens because those competitions they mean something, and those stickers mean something when people are going to purchase. You might not be able to prove that, but you can't disprove it either. True. And it would make sense that why wouldn't you send one of the best ones that you've at least tasted, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't. I, taste I don't know, Blake. Necessarily, Blake. You want to? You might want to send some of that barrel number four uh, yeah. over to the San Francisco. <laughs> oh, it's going championship. Uh, <laughs> I'm scratching out Buffalo Trace oh. and I'm putting bourbon or round table. <laughs> I still, you're holding a couple of those bottles for me, right, Blake? Oh yeah, you got it. I watched the video. It was it was said in there. That's a contract, right? That's right. That's a contract, contract right? It's a contract. It's a contract. Then you guys can put on a put a tag on it that says double gold. Yes, yeah. right. Oh, the double gold is coming. I think we're to like triple platinum gold is the the new <laughs> Oh yeah, we'll have a platinum gold. It'll be the platinum release, that's for sure. Yeah. And so I guess we'll round it out. So there was a, a good little hint right there uh, to kind of wrap it. You know, there was there was the neat movie release, but there's also going to be the Bourbon Community Roundtable movie release that'll be happening here uh, this weekend or next week as well. Uh, I'll be waiting for my royalty check. Yeah. <laughs> so you, there actually will be a video uh, coming out that kind of featured all of us uh, during the barrel pick. So it should be pretty fun. Uh, so look for that. Uh, fellas, I want to thank, thank, say thank you again for joining tonight. Let's go around the horn one more time and let you talk about where you're, where you're blogging at, where people can find you at. Uh, and if you killed a bottle of bourbon while we were drinking tonight, what were you, what were you drinking as well? So, uh, Lince, you started off. Let's, let's have you uh, finish it out right here. All right. Quickly, uh, the, uh, the com. I'm also on Instagram. I'll try to get this right this time at bourbon underscore buddy. And then also, I'm not sure I gave the, uh, the address of the Cleveland Bourbon Club. It's the Cleveland Bourbon Club dot com, uh, where you can see our blind uh, reviews of different stuff. And I was drinking, actually, it's a good segue. Uh, OKI ten year single barrel pick by the uh, Cleveland Bourbon Club. Oh, MGP. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my man. <laughs> All right, right. Uh, Brian, you go since we're gonna go. We're gonna go in the same order we went when we first started it. All right, good deal. Uh, Brian with Sipping Corn. Uh, check me out mostly on Twitter at Sipping Corn and the, the Google Blogspot at Sipping Corn. Um, and check out again. I gotta say it again. Don't don't the uh, the book coming out in November 2018, Bourbon Justice. 
And uh, I'm going tonight with the all-time worst label in all of bourbon history, the Single Barrel Small Batch. Which is it? Which is it? Neither of them mean anything. That's, neither of them mean anything. Right. But what means something, if, those... if it can be seen, is this is a hard water, hard water pick from 2014 that I, was, that I participated in. And there's that much left, and it'll be gone tonight. And uh, it's it's just to 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 maybe to Blake's point and to the bourbon community roundtable point of of doing these single barrel selections. I mean, it's it's a fantastic experience. Um, if you ever get the opportunity to do it, do it. And everyone ought to be looking forward to uh, to the two picks that we did with uh, Bourboner and in the bourbon community roundtable. Great picks. Everyone look forward to it. Thanks again for having me. I don't know. Barrel four kind of sucked. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Just kidding. Take <laughs> otherwise. All right, Blake. All right. I'm Blake from Bourboner. Thanks again, everyone, for watching. Uh, if you want to check me out, you can find me at bourboner.com. That's B-O-U-R-B-O-N-R. Also, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all your favorite social medias. Uh, tonight, I was trying to look up. It was I actually finished off this bottle. I didn't realize it had for a while. It was Abraham Bauman, Bowman, however you say that one. It's I'm going to go with Bowman. Yeah, I'm going with Bowman. Wathens. I like Bowman. It was the Merlot finish, which is actually pretty good. I, I found it in the back of the cabinet and uh, finished that off tonight. So it was pretty good. Sure, I heard it was in the trash. Merlot. Merlot. Sounds like that. Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Boo Man. <laughs> Welcome oh, to man. Yeah. That sounds like it'd go well with Bourbon or Eats, you know. Hey, <laughs> Bourbon or Eats is coming. I'm forgetting all this drinking stuff. I'm just going <laughs> to cook for a living. <laughs> all, all right. right. All right. I'm Nick from Breaking Bourbon. Uh, check us out on breakingbourbon.com and uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Breaking Bourbon. And uh, tonight I'm actually drinking two different things. I, I don't know why Blanton's was on my mind for some reason today, but I got a regular Blanton's. Single barrel, and I got a straight from the barrel, right? So I haven't had this in a while. I, I haven't looked at the actual label, but this was dumped on 10-5-2013. So I'm trying to think of when I actually bought this, and I, I think I bought it in 2015. It's telling me this was on the shelf for some period of time before I bought it way back when, which I kind of find interesting. And it's, it's the last bottle of Blanton's I bought, so I haven't bought one since this bottle. And I've had it for a for a while, but uh, I'm enjoying it. Of course, next to straight from the barrel, it's. I mean, this is absolutely fantastic. You know, great stuff. I, I bought a couple of bottles recently and haven't shot for that for a while. But uh, I think, like we mentioned on the last podcast, if you're looking for something great and uh, getting frustrated with the limited release situation, you know, just watch for those plants straight from the barrels. They're, you know, they become available. They're available for a very short time, but. Uh, when they're out there, they're kind of out there and you, you got a chance at it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and I guess uh, you kind of hinted on, it's like, it's the new dusty, all the dusties are gone. So I guess if you find a bottle, that's like a year and a half old on the shelf, you're like, it's a dusty. Right? <laughs> that's right. Then you can tell. <laughs> right? uh, so guys, I want to say thank you again for, uh, for coming on for me. I was drinking a, uh, had three different ones tonight. So I was drinking a bourbon's bistro, uh, uh, 125 proof four roses. I had a Russell's reserve pick by bourbon cartel. 
And then I, I kind of capped it off in anticipation for this week's uh, anticipated release on Saturday, which is the new Old Baldy release that'll be coming from Cork and Bottle uh, up in Northern Kentucky. It's going to have white wax on it, so everybody's going to go crazy. So I want to say... Dang, Kenny's firing bourbon over there. Kenny, tell us, yeah. tell us about that bottle in the back there. You, you were going to... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, we talked about, you know, being... Um, I, I broke every rule in Wade's book and I, I tatered it up pretty, pretty hard today. So I saw this and I was like, I don't want it. Like, I don't want this bottle. And then, you know, it's so this is the old Carter rye. This is coming from some of the people that were co-owners of Kentucky Al that then came out and started pushing their own uh, brand. Um, this is batch one, uh, 112.2 proof. So I'm assuming that it is uh, barrel proof. Again, it's a rye bottled in Bardstown. On the back, it says distilled in Indiana. And the price was, uh, I think, like 160 And it is non-age stated. So wow. there is there is tater in a bottle, if you could ever imagine. Um, I'm actually going to do a live review of this on Facebook probably on Friday and just try to push it next to some other ones and see if it really – Holds up. I really hope it doesn't, only because of the price and have being non H dated. But I bought it because I said, "Screw it! Um, I don't like my money." So let's let's get into the model. Or did you buy like twelve of them, and you're going to be like, "Oh, this surprisingly won the blind taste taste." test." (laughs) (laughs) No, no. I just figured I'd I'd buy it, and we'll just see what happens. Uh, I don't have high expectations. I literally I sat there looking at it for like two minutes, and I was like, "I don't need this. This is this is dumb. Like, why would I even buy this?" And I was like, ah, damn it, fine, just just give it to Take me. Take my I'll, money. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll, just the just the intrigue killed me, and and so I, I just went and bought it. So I uh, I am a sucker for it. So we'll have to see uh, how it all it all fares at the end of this. But, just throw the word Stitzer Weller in there during that live review. Yeah. Awesome. Everybody will buy it. Find a way. Because yeah. <laughs> everybody loves the Stitzer Weller rise that came out, right? Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Ryan, go ahead and close this out, buddy. Yeah, and no one probably cares, but I was drinking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. Just go ahead and close this out. <laughs> uh, I was drinking my, one of my new favorite things, the little book. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, some people think it's great. Some people don't. I think it's awesome because it's a little different. And I had an Eagle Rare silver dollar pick, which was good. But uh, anyways, thank you all for coming on, Ryan. I we're on the same wing league. You can replace Kerry every week from now on. <laughs> uh, so appreciate everybody listening. This is the most fun we have on the podcast because I don't like being with Kenny by myself. And uh, <laughs> anyway, just kidding. I'm rambling on. Everyone have a good night and we'll see you next time.